Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. In this podcast series, I have the opportunity to interview researchers who volunteer their time to research and find the story of each individual fallen World War II hero. I have the opportunity to be speaking with Jeff Wiesenmeyer. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself, Jeff? Yes, uh, my name is Jeff Wiesenmeyer. I've, uh, I live in Wisconsin. Uh, I've, my background and career has been in journalism, uh, printing, publishing, uh, direct mail marketing. Um, semi-retired now. Um, and I got involved in uh, writing about veterans, actually because of uh, a, an uncle that I had who was killed during World War II. I uh, wanted to learn a little bit more about it. Uh, so that's basically how it got started. Uh, knew nothing about him or his ship until I went to a uh, uh, one of our Visa Meyer reunions and uh, saw some pictures and saw some documents from uh, when he was killed. So can you tell us a little bit about your book that you wrote about his ship and then obviously his story? Sure. Uh, he was on a destroyer, a uh, Sumner-class destroyer, and it was built in 1944. He joined the, he joined the Navy, and uh, as soon as he got out of boot camp, was assigned to that ship, and uh, it left for the Pacific in January of 45. Uh, at that point in time, the major battle that was uh, brewing when they were ready to invade Okinawa and uh, his ship went there and because it was one of the newer destroyers it had uh, some of the upgraded radar on it and so those ships would be sent out uh, beyond Okinawa to do picket duty and they were being attacked by uh, Japanese planes pretty much every day uh, with only being about 300 miles from Japan and uh, though the, the radar that they had on those ships, they could provide early warning to Okinawa and to the, to the fleet that was uh, anchored there. Um, anyway, on, I remember back when I was uh, just a kid, my dad and I would watch the, uh, some, of the, some of the films uh, on Sunday afternoons, uh, Victory at Sea. And he'd always point out, he says, those, those kamikazes, he says, they, your, your uncle was killed by a kamikaze while, while being on, a, on, a, on a, one of the ships there uh, operating a, a machine gun. But that's basically all I knew and really all anybody in the family knew about it. Um, anyway, after, after going to the, my family reunion, seeing his picture, seeing a uh, Western Union telegram that went to my grandmother, you know, reporting that he had been killed. And the Western Union, it was kind of interesting. It just said the Navy Department deeply regrets the, to inform you that your son, Louis John Wiesemeyer, Seaman First Class U.S. Navy Reserve, was killed in action while in the service of his country. The Navy just extends the, its deepest, sincerest sympathy to your great loss. No information available at present in regard to disposition of remains. And then it goes on to say that it's highly probable he was buried at sea. That's all we knew. And so that, that stirred my interest. I came home from that family reunion and started Googling the USS Hadley and a lot of information came up. Uh, turned out that the ship had shot down 23 planes during that 95 minute battle 
which was an all-time naval record for a single engagement. I go, holy cow, how, how is this not a book already? And uh, I dug a little bit more and found out that the sister ship that was with them was also in the battle. Um, a son from one of those shipmates did write a book about that ship. Obviously included some, some things in there about the Hadley, but uh, there was certainly a lot more to tell about the, the, the shipmates. And I wanted to know, see if I could find out you know, what happened to my uncle. So I went to a reunion. Uh, I found out that the Hadley group was having reunions and the next one was coming up in San Antonio in uh, 2012. Went to the reunion, met some of the guys. They're all about 90 years old. And uh, they, uh, there was only about 12 of them that were even able to make the trip. There weren't too many of them left still at that point in time. But uh, met them, talked to them and talked to them about the idea of maybe doing a book. And of course, then they just got all excited and started sharing all kinds of stories. And it, it's, it turned out to be a labor, a labor of love, really, writing my book. Uh, the book. The book's title is Kamikaze Destroyer USS Hadley DD-74. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to write. And it was, what I, what I learned from that is how important it is to tell the stories about World War II veterans. And, and, and now I'm working on, you know, those veterans that uh, weren't able to tell their own stories. They never came back. Uh, one of the things I did in my book, there were 30 guys who were killed on the Hadley after they were hit by three kamikazes and two bombs. Uh, I tried to tell their stories. Uh, back then, there wasn't as much information as there is right now. Uh, now I'm finding a lot more information about some of these guys through Folds 3 and other, and other sites. But back then, there wasn't a real lot. But I did, I did find out at least where they were from and you know, a little bit of information. Some of them I found some, you know, some graves and things like that. Uh, but uh, it wasn't not, not a real lot. It, now I've, I've started... Uh, adding th those guys to Fold 3 and doing memorials for them. And the first one I did, of course, was my uncle. So um, That's amazing. So did those men, any of them know your uncle or I guess? Yeah, that's what I had hoped for. And no, uh, yeah. they knew the name. Wiesemeyer is pretty unusual. <laughs> so they, they, they remembered the name. And of course, maybe remembered it because he was one of the 30 guys who got killed. Um, but no, nobody knew him. But um, I did learn from one of the officers uh, how he had been killed. And uh, I found out he was on a gun, a 40 millimeter gun. And uh, that was the last kamikaze that hit the ship. And there were nine guys on that gun and they, they kept firing at that kamikaze until it crashed into them. And everyone, everybody on that gun was killed. And in fact, None of them, were, I think only two of them were even found. Most of them were just blown out to sea. So there was no burial at sea. They were just all blown apart. In fact, the gun was totally gone. Just a big hole in the ship where, where, the, where that kamikaze was hit. So. Wow. So yeah. did anyone in your family, like was your dad alive when you were able to find this out and were you able to share that with your family? Or? Oh, well, no. Unfortunately, my dad had passed away by that time. Yeah. And uh, But yes, uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, we're still alive. And I, I, my, my aunt told me many times, she says, your grandfather would be so proud of you. Your grandfather and your father would be so proud of you for finding, finding this information out and writing the book. You know, they were, they were pretty thrilled to get, to get in the information. I had a cousin who said she, she read the account of what happened with Louis Wiesenmeyer and, uh, she, she just cried, <laughs> you know, just 
you know, now, now, now knowing exactly what it was happened. I mean, you always imagine them being a uh, formal burial at sea and what didn't, wasn't even, that wasn't even the case, you know, for him. So, so yeah, I, I, I when I found full three, uh, it was really last, uh, last year during veterans day, they had a special going. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm writing these stories for the LCI association all the time. This could help me. And I joined and uh, that's how I actually stumbled on the group, uh, the star group. And uh, once I did that and joined that, I thought, well, I'm going to I'm going to certainly do a memorial for Louis Wiesenmeyer. So that was one of the first ones I've done. If you want to hear a little bit about what I wrote on that one, um, I'll I'll just give you a little a little bits and pieces of, of uh, what what happened with the, the Hadley. Actually, it was like I said, it was a, it's a pretty interesting story. They. Uh, the ship itself uh, fought for about 95 minutes and they were attacked by 56 planes, they estimated. 20, they shot down 23 of them. Uh, the other ship shot down 19. So basically both of them had, those were records for both ships really. Uh, never, obviously there'll never be a, a battle like that again, so it'll never be broken. But uh, it was, you know, the, uh, the, the gun my uncle was on for those, for the last five or 10 minutes had the, the, the uh, other seamen had been blown away from that gun from a, 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 another hit from a kamikaze. And these guys jumped back on there and got it running again. And they were shooting at that point, the, the ship had lost power and they were, uh, they were now shooting on manual. And as this last plane came in, they just kept shooting at him. I don't know how the heck you could sit there and look at a plane coming at you and, and not jump overboard, but they did. And so that's that was how that that was how that ended. So anyway, that's uh, that was one of the, the one of the first stories that I did. Wow. So you said earlier that you are writing stories for the LCT LCI. LCI, yes, it's it's an LCI is landing craft infantry, and they're smaller ships, they're amphibious ships. And the reason I got involved with them, my dad was on an amphibious ship also. He was on an LSMR. And I joined that organization just to, you know, be part of it and find out a little bit more about the organization and where, where my dad, you know, things that my dad had done. He'd already passed away. So I, I wanted to learn a little bit about his, about his service as well. And while I was at one of the reunions for the LSMR Association, I bumped into a guy who was also on the board for the LCI National. And he said, we're looking for an editor. Are you interested? <laughs> and uh, so that was that's how I hooked up with them. So I've been doing that for about three years. It's a quarterly magazine, um, usually about 28 to 32 pages. And uh, we just same same idea. We, we, we try to we try to cover stories of the veterans from the LCIs. Um, hopefully those that are still around that can you can do an interview with there aren't many we've got about 200 members left um but just really to tell their stories and to capture a lot of this stuff for history uh the lcis they were a small ship about 159 59 feet but they could carry 200 troops and so it was a it was a crew of about 25 25 to 30 guys on an lci and then they would they would pack in about 200 troops. They weren't on there for you know long crossings across the Atlantic, but but to take them from like England to the Normandy invasion, many LCIs participated in that. And so what I've been writing about right now are those LCI veterans 
that were there for no on uh, for D Day. There were quite a few of them actually, and quite a few of them got killed because their ships went right up onto the beach. Uh, they'd go up with about, but usually the second wave after the really small Higgins boats landed, then then they start bringing in you know larger numbers of troops uh, with the LCIs. So do you have some stories that you've written that you'd like to share with us about? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I've got one here. Uh, this is uh, George Albert Kelly. He was on the LCI 232 and his ship and his flotilla that he was with went in at Utah Beach. Uh, it was about the, about, about the second wave going in. So it was still very early in the morning, about seven o'clock in the morning. Um, their ship when they got in there at Utah Beach, the, there were so many obstructions in the way uh, that they really couldn't get all the way into the beach. And also many of the obstructions they could see had mines on the tips of them. Uh, so to avoid the obstructions, to avoid the mines, they ended up having to unload many of the troops onto smaller ships that, would, that, that could take them in, the smaller landing crafts. So they got their guys all, all uh uh, onto the smaller crafts, and they 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 had disembarked the their 200 troops, and then their flotilla did it had to do a, a, a large U-turn to head back out to sea and pick up some more to come back in, and uh, so they were following the lead ship, and as it circled in and came back out, their ship hit a mine, and it blew it almost out of the water. Uh, it was a huge explosion. There was only 28 men on the ship. Um, at that time, that was the crew. And uh, within minutes, the ship just turned over and sank upside down. So any of the guys below deck, they went down with the ship. Uh, only 13 survived. George Kelly was, was the chief uh, motor mech. And he would have been down below at the engine room. And uh, he and his crew that were working on the engines, of course, they, they never got out. He grew up in Kentucky. Uh, his dad was a mechanic, so he, he worked in the garage with his dad. So he got some background in engines and liked working with mechanics. When he joined the Navy, obviously shared that information and they sent him to, they sent him to Motormax school uh, to learn how to run diesel engines. And, and uh, obviously did very well at it because he was, he was already a chief, which was quite a way up in the, in the, in rank that one, one step below being an officer. So he had done pretty well. So that was in somewhat of an interesting story. And I've been doing many of the guys that were on the, the LCI 232. I've written about it before, but never about the individual men who had been killed there. Um, unfortunately, you know, those stories are lost usually because they're gone. You know, they're, they're, these guys are, are totally forgotten. We had done stories about some of the survivors from the 232, and we, we published those in our, in our L, the, 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 the magazine is called LC Item. Uh, and uh, we had published it in our, our, our magazine. So when I saw that, you know, you were doing the D-Day, I thought, I want to I wanna do some of these guys that were on some of the ships that, that, that sank at, at both Omaha and Utah Beach. So that was one of the ones that I've done recently. So just to... You know, I'm totally naive to all these these terminologies and things. But just to clarify, were did they specifically just build those ships for D-Day, or were they used? Okay, so well, if, and and they were used also in the Pacific as well. But they knew they needed some way to land large numbers of troops right onto the beach. 
how to, how to get them across there. And uh, many, many of the troops then after the initial assault, uh, these, these LCIs would go back out and go to the larger transports that maybe had thousands of, of troops on board. And they, those guys would then come down uh, the rope ladders and load up on, onto the LCIs. But yeah, that's, that's all that these LCIs were really initially designed for. Now, as the war went on in the, in the Pacific, uh, many of the LCIs were actually converted to gunboats and they put, uh, they put some more machine guns on there and 40 millimeter guns and mortars and sometimes rockets even, because again, they could get in close to shore and because they, were, they only had a five foot dra draft on the ship. So they could get in very close to shore, get into real shallow areas, and then they could lay down fire right on the shore as Marines were landing. And idea being is, is keeping the fenders heads down long enough for the guys to get off of, you know, to get out of the beach and, and get a foothold. Wow. So. That's really fascinating. I, I love doing these things because I learned so much about the intricate details of the war that you just kind of don't get in history class because, right. you know, don't have, you know, time or just, you know, it's not something that we're super focused on. Just, and so I just love like, the ingenuity that happened in the war, how we learned to fight, and then what came of it. Super fascinating. The ingenuity is unbelievable. Now, the, 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 the second one that I did for, uh, for Folds, um, for a memorial, this one, this one was, his name is Howard Edwin Just. And this one was assigned to me. Um, and but because I, I'm doing I'm doing LCI sailors, that's why it was assigned to me. And they we had him listed as an on LCI 88. And uh, I've got all the information and many of the rosters for uh, these ships, especially the ones that were at Omaha and Utah Beach. And I looked at LCI 88 and couldn't find his name anywhere. And uh, I've got the list. There were about four or five guys on that ship who were killed that day, um, but it did not include Howard Edwin Just. So then I started digging a little bit further, and I'm finding another Howard Just who's on an LCT, which is also a landing craft, but it's landing craft tank. And uh, I go, well, it's, yeah, well, it, that's that's just too weird that you could have two Howard Just both of the at Omaha Beach on the same day, and they're both on amphibious ships, you know, just too weird. So I started digging a little bit more, and sure enough, I discovered that our information was wrong from the L about, about it being LCI-88. Uh, he was actually on the LCT-713. Um, so how did that happen? Well, it, it's that's where the story got even, even more interesting. The, the 713 hit a mine, and guys were wounded, and some were killed and it was sinking. And so a ship came alongside, one of the smaller crafts came alongside and rescued the survivors. And Howard Just was one of those. So he was on another ship that then tr transferred him to the LCI 88. So when he got transferred off the 88, they thought he was, uh, they thought he was from that ship apparently. And he was dead at that point already, and uh, so he couldn't he couldn't change what what they thought he, they were getting. They thought they were getting a, a seaman from the LCI eighty eight who had been killed on that ship, and uh, so information wrong. I mean, it did get straightened out. His family, of course, knew he was on LCT 
713. And that's where I discovered uh, letters to his family. So that's, that's one of the one of the neat things about doing this is you start digging into these guys and actually correct information that, you know, should have been correct a long time ago. Uh, you start finding these, these mistakes, and I'm sure there were a lot of them. Uh, the other thing was he actually wasn't listed as having been killed on D-Day. Um, somehow it ended up being LCA 88 and, and died on the next day on the 7th. So he was never listed on the memorial at the D-Day memorial as, what, as either. Uh, where I found a lot of this information, there's other people out there doing a lot of this research. And I found a guy who, who also realized that there was a mistake on this on this particular uh, sailor. And he dug and dug and dug until he finally found actual documents on deck logs on these other ships that he had been transferred to, the LCI 88 and the first one that listed him as being dead. And, you know, that, that they've been taken off of LCT 713. So, you know, it's it's interesting to find that type of information and be able to correct history for the family, wow. for the family, yeah. if nothing else, you know, so. Well, it's also just to be part of that, you know, I know it was a long time ago that he passed away, but it, it's it just it's, it's kind of restorative or healing for, it's like, no, this is really what happened to him and finding that out and rewriting the history, even though it's, right just one individual person's history it still matters and i think that's what's so powerful about doing these projects is is really focusing on that individual and telling that story so as you've been doing this research over for the last 10 years i mean or more more do you feel like it's really impacted you and changed you or changed your perspective on the world um it made me realize how important all of our lives are, not just veterans, even all of our lives that you need that you, you need to sort of share some stories. I mean, I'm writing my own memoir now, which is just stories about being a kid. And it's something I'll, I'll, I'll hand off to my kids, you know, so that they've got something, something, you know, some of the silly stories about me from when growing up, you know, then um, I was in the Navy and, you know, so I got stories about that too, but, uh, it made me realize how important the history of everybody's life is. You know, our, unfortunately, so many people, you know, you've got a birth date, you got a death date, and the in between is just lost. And uh, there are stories there to be told. And especially, you know, anything, anybody who lived during World War II, even those who lived uh, in the home front, the wives, the girlfriends, the brothers, the sisters, um, they got stories of their own to tell because they, they lived through the war as well. But what really was so rewarding about the books that I've written and actually the stories that now I write in it for the, for the LC item is I, I, I'm always getting calls or emails from family members that said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for writing about this. I had no idea what they, what they went through. I, I you know, didn't have a clue. They never talked about it. And so many of the veterans from World War II never talked. They came home and they just wanted to get on with their lives. And they felt if you were talking about it, you were, you were, you know, kind of a blowhart. You were, you know, a hero. And, and, the, and they, they all felt that the heroes were the ones that didn't come home. So. 
Yeah, I've, I had a neighbor for the longest time. We called him the candy man because every time we went to church, he'd shake his hand and he'd give you candy in his hand. And he was a World War II veteran. And finally, I, I got around to asking if he would let me interview him. And by this time, he was pretty old. It was about a year before he died. And his his daughter, because he was hard of hearing, was like, here, I'll, I'll, um, I'll do the interview with you. And he told us stories that he'd never told his family. And at the end, his daughter was just crying. because She's like, I never heard these stories about my dad because he had gone to the Holocaust. He was in Europe and he had gone through, I believe, Dachau is where he had been. And he had walked through there and, and wow. he described seeing like, looked like gravel, but realizing it was human teeth. And he described yeah. these things that she had just never heard before. And she was just so grateful that we had taken the time to ask him as, you know, not, we were neighbors, we weren't strangers, but we weren't super close. And and she's like, and he just told these stories to us and, and um, like taking that time to, to value. And I guess maybe, you know, think, being 96 at the time when we interviewed him thinking, this is my time to tell it if I'm going to tell it, you know, but yeah. like, that's so important that we take that time to talk to them and take that time to, to listen and then tell our own stories too. I love that message. Yeah. Now, some of them aren't realizing it now, and they're you know at 90 years old. They go, you know, there's not going to be too many more years here, and and they they start opening up. And a lot of them, a lot of museums are doing oral histories, which is wonderful. I've gotten a lot of great information from oral histories uh, at the museums. Uh, you know, it's great that they're doing that type of thing. Well, then I want to thank you for taking your time with us today, and also just thank you for what you're doing. This is just so needed, and so grateful for it. So I'm going to put a link in the description to your books so people can, can read them um, and find out more about them. And um, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Okay. Well, thank you very much too. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. If you're at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.